This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning, it's John Moore. This is The Breakfast Wrap for Wednesday, May 17th. Sunny today, a little breezy, and a high of 14 degrees. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, police raising the alarm over a missing disabled man. Number two, the Eglinton Crosstown descending into chaos. Number three, WestJet looks to be headed for a strike. Number four, downtown Toronto facing a crisis as workers don't come back. And number five, one-third of Canadians are just fine with the idea of assisted suicide for homeless people. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Happy Wednesday to you. For those of you who have not yet set foot outside of your homes, uh, I think the word bracing came to mind when I stepped outside this morning because I was dressed for, you know, maybe thinking it was about 15 degrees and it ain't. It's two degrees outside right now. It is cold out there. So this is going to be one of those days where, you know, you'll, you'll have to break out the winter gear for the start of it. And then a little later on, Maybe you won't need as much insulation. Mind you, the high today is only 14 degrees. So, you know, it's it's going to be a cool day, but at the moment, it's really cold. I mean, I turned on the, the seat warmers and the the steering wheel warmer, and are you mocking me, Joe Cristiano? Why? Because I Very turned on the seat so. warmer. Why, why, why would you mock me for that? <laughs> I would say it's crisp out there. I think the word is crisp. crisp. Okay, crisp, bracing. Um, you know, it's, it's not calamitous, but it's, it's cold out there. And frankly, it's the 17th of May. What the heck is going on out there? I mean, we turned on the sprinkler system the other day and, you know, now we're, they were warning last night when I was watching the local news, the uh, weather person was saying that we might have frost. So I don't know, in, in some areas, probably you have had frost because I'm always mindful of the fact that people are listening, you know, hundreds of kilometers north of where I'm sitting right now, where it's quite likely that you went down to zero last night and you did get some frost. So it's not some kind of emergency, but it is, I mean, two degrees right now. It's cold out there. Uh, there is a search on, as Ashley was saying for a missing 37-year-old man who has uh, disabilities and is new to Toronto. So that's the real concern. Uh, He came to Toronto. There is family here, but uh, he's not entirely familiar with the city. Last seen around 7 p.m. on May 12th. So, uh, yikes, this is May 17th, uh, near Jane Street and Shepherd Avenue West. If you want to see a picture of this individual, although I have a pretty good feeling that anybody who comes across him uh, by daylight today will, you know, say, okay, I know who this guy is. Um, But if you'd like to see an image of him, we're putting that on our social media platforms and on our website, newstalk1010.com. His name is Nathan. So I have to say... Um, Looking forward to a conversation this morning, we started a feature a while back called Mayor in the Morning, and that was when John Tory was the mayor of Toronto, and he would pop in every Wednesday, 
and we would go over all kinds of hot files. And Jennifer McKelvey, the deputy mayor, who is effectively the mayor right now of Toronto, has been fairly loyal in fulfilling that mandate, and she will do so again today at 7.20. And there are a lot of things that we need to talk about today. And one of them would certainly be, I, I don't get upset, angry, outraged very often, but I have to say when it comes to the Eglinton Crosstown and this latest development... Uh, I I'm, I'm, guess I'm gusting toward irked. And yesterday morning during our show, the story started to break about how Crosslinks, which is the uh, organization that is responsible for building the Crosstown for Metrolinks, now they're in court against Metrolinks. And I don't even know why, to be perfectly honest. Um, I'm hoping you people who know more about the file than I do come to bear this morning on the show to explain how this is coming undone. Because um, if you start unpacking what's wrong with the Eglinton Crosstown, something, something is not working out here. And I, I suspect that we're kind of being hoodwinked in all of this. I mean, you heard a couple of weeks ago the story about how one of the platforms was being carved up because it hadn't been laid properly. And the, even the, the video yesterday that I was seeing on the local CTV broadcast would suggest that's not the only platform that is being dug up and replaced. I hear, and you know, I cannot vouch entirely for this, but I have been hearing that there is something wrong at the interchange of the Eglinton Young Street Station and the new Crosstown, that something has gone wrong with the design there and that they're trying to reconcile things. But I mean, this thing is three years behind schedule, millions of dollars over budget, and they have now finally confirmed that they will not be opening this year. So, you know, it's, I get that there are difficult aspects to public infrastructure and to building something as dramatically uh, complicated as the Eglinton Crosstown. But at the same time, eventually, you have to think that, you know, you could get something right. And I guess the biggest problem in all of this is we are embarking on a brand new project, a huge project, bigger than the Crosstown, I would venture, with the Ontario line. And if we can't get the Eglinton Crosstown right, then what are we to expect from the Ontario line, which also will result in, you know, homes being expropriated and demolished in public lands being rededicated, uh, marshalling yards constructed. It is going to be a major project. And since we've already established that we can't get this stuff right, then what are we to expect from the Ontario line? Okay, let's say good morning to News Talk 1010's John Moore for what Toronto is talking about. John, happy Wednesday. We've made it to the middle of the week again. Uh, let's get into this right now. A command post has been set up as police are searching for a missing, vulnerable man in North York. 
Yeah, and this is the highest level of alert that Toronto police can reach. It's uh, phase three or level three. It's a 37-year-old man with disabilities who is a recent transfer to Toronto who has been missing since the 12th, and here we are on the 17th. Um, so uh, people can definitely uh, consult. You've got it right now on video. We've got it on our website. Uh, people can take a look at this young fellow and uh, figure out if maybe... Um, sometime today, somebody can spot him and bring him back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, here's hoping that happens. Uh, and John, the consortium, uh, Crosstown Transit Solutions, that's behind the construction of the Eglinton Crosstown, uh, they're planning to sue Metrolinx, and this is going to probably uh, hold things up again. Oh, this is turning into such a mess. And mm -hmm. Jennifer McKelvey, the deputy mayor, who will probably be happy to be done with this file and perhaps some others by the 26th of June, is going to be on our show this morning at 7.20. We'll definitely be asking her about this because this is Crosslinks, the organization that is executing the Eglinton Crosstown, which is now three years over schedule and many, many million dollars over budget. Uh, they are now suing Metrolinx, and it looks like work could actually stop. Now, we're sure that we're 98% complete hmm. when it comes to this project, but 98% complete doesn't mean the trains are going to be running. Right, and there are like 260 quality control issues or something like that. Uh, it kind of seems ironic. It feels like the suing should be the other way around, but yeah. that's not happening. Okay, and uh, another concern for travelers and I guess the airline uh, WestJet pilots could be on strike as of Friday morning. Looks like this is going to happen. It's uh, an interesting aspect on our show. One of the guys who works on it, Nick Marano, is flying out tomorrow and then will probably not be able to fly home. So, you know, I guess he'll be stuck in Florida. But this is a considerable danger, I think, for an airline. When you get to the point where people are afraid to book because they don't think they can fly, then they stop booking. And so it starts draining the money out of the airline. Uh, but these pilots seem to be dug in and it looks like a strike is inevitable. Mm, okay. We'll have to see what happens there. Hopefully uh, it won't disrupt too many people's plans. And turning to this now, the future of the downtown core, it's kind of in an existential crisis as we are still in this world of, you know, hybrid work worlds. Well, here you and I are in the downtown, but we are actually an exception. Mm -hmm. uh, recent data shows only 27% of pre-pandemic number of employees are back in the financial district on Fridays. Mondays are the other day where a lot of people do not head into the downtown. And you're right, Oliver Moore writing an interesting report today in the Globe and Mail about how this is affecting things. And it's about restaurants, it's about the downtown dry cleaner, it's about the path, mm. uh, it's about public transit, which is currently being starved for users and for money. And it looks like this could become a, a permanent aspect of how our downtowns are configured. So cities are now looking at, for example, trying to get more people to live in the mm. core because they're not working in the core. Yeah, everything kind of has a domino effect uh, related to this. Okay, and finally, we end on something interesting. A Toronto <laughs> eSports team gets their fingers insured for $1 million. Members of a professional Call of Duty, which is a video game, uh, eSports team, have had their fingers insured for $1 million per person. <laughs> There's a fine tradition in all of this. Mary Hart, you may remember from Entertainment Tonight, had her legs insured for a $1 million. Oh. Soccer players have insured their legs as well. And Jennifer Lopez, at one point, had a policy on her uh, butt. Oh, wow. Okay. I guess if we're in the, uh, the business of broadcasting, what, we should get our voices insured? Is that even a thing? Can that be a thing? 
Well, yeah, I'd go for it, sure. <laughs> I think you should, John. You have a very lovely voice. So <laughs> maybe think about that one. All right, News Talk 1010's John Moore. Always a pleasure. Have a great show. We'll chat with you tomorrow. That's Jennifer Sean. She has a lovely voice, too. And she's uh, ineffably beautiful as well. But, you know, you got to be like that on TV. I guess that's why I do radio. Um, it, it makes perfect sense, actually, to uh, for me anyway, to have an insurance policy on my voice, because if I didn't have a voice, I wouldn't be able to work. And one of the reasons I have a voice, I always have to say, is there is a man named Dr. Hans, and he is the voice whisperer. And when you go to his um, uh, office, the wall is covered with like opera singers and Celine Dion and pretty well anybody, anybody who's ever made their career via their voice. And three times he has fixed my wagon when I had some pretty critical uh, issues about my voice. And I remember saying, uh, sending Gurdip Alawalia, uh, formerly of CP24, to see Dr. Hans and ditto. Uh, he fixed his wagon as well. So, yeah, uh, the voice is kind of critical. If I lost my voice, I would have to find something else to do. It's 524, and um, I'll tell you what, in just a moment, I like to mix things up in the first half hour because I, there, are, there are some cranky people. I don't know why some people wake up so angry, but they do. And then they, the first thing they do is text us to say how angry they are about something. Uh, but what we try to do in our first half hour is in the first quarter hour, I'll tackle what I think are the most important stories, but I leave some out because then I want something for you who are listening on News Talk 1010 when we get to CP24, so we're not just repeating ourselves. But that also means that things kind of end up out of order. So what I like to do at this juncture in the show is press the reset button and get back to what I think are the most intensely important stories of the day. Enough time to let you know if your phone went off, as mine did yesterday while I was having lunch, and there was an Amber Alert for a boy who was believed to be abducted in Thunder Bay. No longer in effect, he has been found safe as of last night. And yeah, I have to say, I looked at the phone. I don't want to be one of those cranky pants people. It's like, oh, why are you disturbing me? Because if we can be of help, we can be of help. But at the same time, if a kid's missing in Thunder Bay and I'm sitting in a downtown restaurant in Toronto, I don't think that kid was going to be found at the Soho house. I'm just saying. But I am very happy that he has been recovered. And uh, there's a 28-year-old suspect who's facing charges for abduction. So it was a very serious case. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. 5.37 on a Wednesday morning, and the biggest takeaway at this hour, if you have not already stepped outside, if you have, you already went, wait, what's going on here? <laughs> this is cold. Uh, it is cold outside. It's two degrees right now, and it's not going to be a particularly warm day either. 14 is as warm as it gets, so we are below seasonal averages, but it's... Yeah, it's the kind of thing where, like, I stepped out wearing a windbreaker, and you've probably been at this juncture before. You decide what you think the weather's going to be like, and you step outside, and then you realize you're not dressed properly, but it's too late to go back inside, so you just keep going. So that's where I was this morning wearing my uh, my windbreaker. Two degrees, too. Um, the latest polls 
would suggest that if John Tory had thrown his hat in the ring at 1.59 p.m. last Friday, that he would easily romp to victory as the mayor of Toronto. Now, two things. One would be that John Tory told me a couple of months ago there was no way he was getting back in the race, and he has lived up to that promise. And the reason was, he said, listen, I, you know, stuff went south uh, for me, and I want to make everything right with my four kids and with my wife, Barb. And so, you know, if I were to decide to run for mayor again, as satisfying, and I'm, you know, I'm not speaking in quotations here, I'm paraphrasing basically from his reasoning. Uh, but if I were to run for mayor again, it would be effectively declaring, yeah, I'm going back to working from four in the morning till 10 at night. And, you know, that that's it for the family. And that was not what John Tory was intending to do. So I said two things. The second thing would be that I actually texted John Tory yesterday because most of the people here have that kind of a relationship with John Tory where we uh, we will text and go back and forth and. Uh, back in the day when he was mayor, find out things about what's going on in the life of the city. Now it's more about, okay, how you doing? And I said, are you planning on endorsing? And he, it, it was kind of, a, a, I wouldn't say a 50-50 thing. He didn't rule it out. But I think, and again, I, you know, now I am thinking on behalf of the former mayor. I think there are some people he favors and there are some people who he would prefer not become mayor of Toronto. And if he thinks that somebody he would not like to be mayor of Toronto is about to become the mayor of Toronto, then he may put his finger on the scale. But that is entirely, I'm speaking on my behalf here. I'm not speaking on John Tory's behalf. But David Ryder has an interesting column today in the Toronto Star where he weighs in on the fact that John Tory would win if he was running, but he ain't running. Um, and then there are people who he might favor. Uh, he endorsed Brad Bradford as a city councilor, for example. Would he endorse Brad Bradford as a mayoral candidate? Don't know. Anna Bailao is probably one, is one of his preferred candidates. Um, I'm actually gonna be meeting with Anna Bailao today and uh, having a yak about what her vision of the city is. Um, but, you know, will he endorse one of those people? And in particular, uh, he was, I don't think, ever that much of a fan of Josh Matlow. And I'm not sure where he would be on Olivia Chow either. I find it really funny. I mean, the ecosystem that you live in, and in, in my case, it's kind of funny because in talk radio, things are always going to be much more conservative. In, in this particular environment, and if I judge by the text board, for example, Olivia Chow is like people are in mortal fear of her. I'm sure she would be a fine mayor. I don't think she would embrace my vision of, of Toronto. I, but I also don't think she would burn the place to the ground. But an awful lot of people are mortified at the idea of, of Olivia Chow becoming the mayor of Toronto. And at the moment, that seems to be the most likely scenario because she is double-digit leads over every other candidate. Now, speaking of candidates, um, I was mentioning Brad Bradford, 
And something we did not dig into yesterday morning in the aftermath of the mayor's debate was something that has become kind of a stir on social media in the last 36 hours. And that is Brad Bradford talking about the fact that his best friend, Paul, lives in the basement of Brad Bradford's home. And what Brad Bradford was talking about was the fact that Toronto is not an affordable city. So here he has a friend who is living in his basement and paying $1,000 a month. And I think that is a fine illustration of what's wrong with everything about Toronto's real estate market right now, which is that it's unaffordable to rent a decent place to live. Although I suppose Brad Bradford's basement's okay. But everybody's getting, well, some people, some waggish individuals are getting all busy about, well, Brad Bradford's friend has to live in the basement. Okay, it's not really that big a deal. Brad Bradford apparently has an apartment in his basement. And the fact that his tenant happens to be his best friend does not mean that there's some sort of cheap ass aspect to Brad Bradford. Well, he's charging his friend, yeah. <laughs> you know, when we moved into our house, when we bought it in, I don't even remember anymore. I think it was 2008. Um, but when we bought our house, there was a basement apartment and there was a woman living there and she was paying $800 a month. She opted to move out. We opted not to move anybody in. But there's nothing weird about having somebody renting an apartment in your basement. And frankly, um, you know, I always felt a little sorry for that woman because that basement apartment was a pretty sorry affair. So I, I don't know that this is like one of those moments where George H.W. Bush once confessed that he had no idea what the price of bread was. And he apparently on one occasion didn't know what to make of a grocery scanner. The guy was the vice president and the head of the CIA. It's fairly understandable that somebody else was doing the grocery shopping. It's not that big a deal. It's uh, 544. So in moments from now, we are going to get to the five things you need to know. Looking forward to some, some of our guests this morning. Uh, Dr. Galleria Zadeh is going to be here, a neurosurgeon who's being a real sport because something went wrong with my home studio system where I normally record interviews and the good doctor talked to me and then that interview turned out to be a garbled mess. So uh, the doctor will join us to talk about a new development in brain tumor treatment at 6.35 today. Dr. Mitch Shulman, I guess it's gonna be a medical half hour, is gonna be here for White Coat Wednesday at 6.50. And uh, one of the issues he'll be addressing is climate change and how it could be affecting seasonal allergies. I'm having an okay time with allergies this year, but I have friends who have been losing their minds and sneezing nonstop and tears running down their face. So allergies, definitely an issue this time of year. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Okay, a couple of things from the five things. Uh, first of all, Nick Marano, have you had any contact with WestJet about uh, your plans or you're going to fly out and then just lay your bets? 
As far as I know, the flights are ready to take off tomorrow. I'm going to check, be checking in shortly because you can check in 24 hours. Yes. Advance. Okay. So you'll fly out and you're being somewhat fearless about this, I guess. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with being trapped in Fort Myers, Florida. No, it's not. And uh, I'll be with, there with my best friend, as you know, Roy. But yeah. the, the thing is that I, I was more concerned about uh, leaving Toronto because the deadline was too close to their strike deadline and my flight. But on the way back, I have a whole week to, you know, plan another flight to come yeah. back, another airline. So I should and, be okay. Yeah, and Porter flies to Fort Myers. I don't know if Air Canada does, but I know yeah, does. Porter does. Air Canada Rouge. Okay. Well, good stuff. All right. I mean, you know, I I hope that you get a good long vacation and you get to enjoy it and rest and, and coming home, let's worry about that later. Yeah, it'll be fine. And I'll, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, some, some great times. It's sort of a semi-work vacation because Roy and I will be... You guys are doing a live recording. show or something? We're doing a show at the Fort Myers Film Festival. I didn't realize they had a film festival, but they do. And they, uh, the director was on our show a few weeks ago, and he invited us down to, to do a show in front of a live audience. So that should be fun. How much fun is that? Are you going to record it? Because we should be playing that here. Yeah, we will, because uh, we're on uh, every Friday night at midnight and Saturdays at 5, but uh, we will uh, package it together and then have a, a special edition of total useless information with people from the film festival. We'll uh, try to stump them with some useless movie information. Okay, good stuff. Uh, that's Nick Mayorano, who works the board on our show and is also responsible for some of our uh, long-form uh, content, which would include, I have to say... I hope you're going to wake yourselves up on Victoria Day and listen to our show because it's going to have a different sound. But we have some great guests, including recorded an interview yesterday with Linwood Barkley on the occasion of the publication of his latest book. Um, we're just, you know, we're going to have a whole bunch of people on the show in conversation in long form conversation and i'm actually quite proud of what we're putting together nick and i so another thing that was in the five things you need to know that may may have made you go say what one third of canadians are fine with the idea of prescribing assisted suicide for somebody for being poor or homeless okay um you know there was a a brief period in history, mostly in the aughts and teens and twenties of the last century, where people thought it was a good idea that if you had a disability or you faced challenges, that maybe we should just put you down, effectively, like an animal. And that had currency, most certainly. Uh, it's, was what, it was the first tranche or trench in Nazi Germany where they would take people with disabilities away and um, euthanize them. It had currency in Canada as an idea. I don't think that it was ever enacted, but a lot of people quite joyously point out that Tommy Douglas, who is a huge hero to the left, was a fan of eugenics in the 1920s. And I suppose that that is, you know, that is forever a mark against him. I don't think that it means Medicare is a bad idea. But it was, you know, in eugenics was the whole idea that there was a portion of the population that would be better off dead. And now we've reached, see, this, this is why it's such a fraught debate when we get to uh, assisted death, medical assistance in dying. 
Because the whole idea was you have cancer, you're going to die in two months, you're in unbearable pain, you can no longer do any of the things that you wanted to do. So should you wish to hasten your exit in a peaceful way on your own terms, it's legal. And then somehow we got to the point where you're depressed, you can't find housing, you're uh, poor, you have you know, some sort of uh, chronic hip pain, whatever. And now all of a sudden, everybody is eligible for medical assistance in dying. At the very least, the federal government has delayed the implementation of medical assistance in dying for a whole new portion of the population. But then I'll also never forget a guy that we talked to on the show, and he suffered from extraordinarily debilitating mental health challenges. And he said, I want to kill myself, but I would prefer medical assistance in dying. And we did an interview and he made his case. And ultimately he ended up killing himself. I don't know what means, but he did end up killing himself. And so would it have been better if he had been able to get a needle from a doctor or ingest a cocktail? I'm not sure. But the idea that we would have assisted suicide for homelessness is nuts. That's definitely on the agenda this morning. Who have we got on, uh, hey, it's Preet Banerjee. Of course, it's Wednesday. Preet Banerjee is going to be here on the morning brief at 6.20. We have the roundtables at 7.45 and 8.45, and we'll definitely be talking about that. That's The Breakfast Wrap. Thanks for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.